0: This is In Focus from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. Each episode of In Focus brings you in-depth analysis and perspective from a different corner of our global network of experts. I'm Graham Griffiths, Associate Director and Head of Political Risk for the Middle East and North Africa. In 2018, the Pakistan tehreek and insaf party, led by cricketer turned politician Imran Khan, came to federal power for the first time. The PTI enjoys the support of the country's powerful military, which has directly held power for more than half of Pakistan's 73-year history and which continues to play a key role in the country, even as it is ostensibly governed by civilian administrations. As a result, the vocal opposition, led by the country's two previously dominant parties, the Pakistan People's Party and the Pakistan Muslim League-Nawaz, claim that Khan's PTI was, quote, selected by the military to lead the government. This criticism has gained ground more recently as a newly formed opposition alliance, the Pakistan Democratic Movement, has mounted rallies demanding Khan's ouster and criticizing the role of the military in internal politics. The government also faces political and public criticism on issues of rudderless governance and economic mismanagement. To discuss the ramifications of these ongoing political and economic crises, I'm joined by my colleague Arsul Joed, who leads control risks analysis on Pakistan. Arsala, thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Graham. Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Now, Arsla, you've just returned after spending the last few months in Pakistan. During that time, I know you had many interesting conversations with a wide range of your contacts there. Now that you've returned to Dubai, can you just share with us some of your main impressions from the time you spent in the country?
1: Well, Graham, you know, I, I remember Pakistan during the 2018 election where there was this narrative of hope and change, and it was at an all-time high. For a country that's oscillated between the PPP, the Pakistan People's Party, and the Pakistan Muslim League Nawaz, the PMLN, at least when there's been a democratically elected government in power. Here was the PTI, a new party assuming federal power for the very first time, with a leader who was very much untainted by allegations of corruption. Even Imran Khan's staunchest critics at the time were cautiously optimistic. But that was 2018. 2018. Pakistan of 2020 is deeply angry and increasingly frustrated. Khan's government promised a new Pakistan, but the people still seem to be searching for it. And Pakistan of today very much resembles the old. The government, the PTI government, came in with a very ambitious agenda. And unfortunately, it hasn't really been able to deliver against it. Pakistan today faces a very serious energy crisis And gas and electricity shortages are likely to increase, especially as winter approaches. The government has also been unable to control inflation. We see an exponential rise in commodity prices, and that's contributed to heightened public resentment against the government. Add to this job creation. The BTI government, you know, very much came in on an agenda to reduce unemployment significantly. Job creation has been quite slow. Sure, some of it is impacted by COVID-19 but it's still been slow. And then, of course, there's the elephant in the room eradicating corruption, which remains a deeply controversial issue in Pakistan. What we hear consistently is that the average Pakistani has not really seen the dividends of this new Pakistan that was promised. And there's a certain public perception of the government's incompetence and inability to handle the multiple economic crises, and that's beginning to set in. Second, what I'll talk about is the issue about security. There's no denying that Pakistan's military has succeeded in creating a far more stable security environment overall. But many of the people, including journalists and policy experts I spoke to in Pakistan's former tribal areas in Khyber Pakhtunkhwa as well as those who work regularly in Balochistan, there seems to be a growing nervousness around the Afghan peace process and what that means for Pakistan in terms of the Pakistani Taliban and other militant and extremist groups. Now, we know these groups are seeking a revival. But for now, there's a very strong sense that the military retains the capability to limit and respond to any spillover of violence in Pakistan's western border with Afghanistan. There's no real indication that the overall security environment is going to deteriorate.
0: You mentioned that the government had a very ambitious agenda, but is currently floundering a bit. Recently, we've seen the emergence of a new opposition alliance, the PDM, which has already demonstrated in showing its ability to mobilize its supporters and bring them to the streets and rallies in Punjab and Sindh. How strong is this alliance really? And is it going to actually constitute a real challenge to Imran Khan's government?
1: I'll come to the strength of the alliance in a second, but the timing is great. The opposition is going to very much take advantage of the government's inability to control inflation. And this is absolutely going to play very well into the political recovery of multiple mainstream opposition parties. Now on the strength. Despite initial large showings, I think the PTM will struggle to sustain momentum. The reason is because it remains a fragile alliance of 11 mainstream parties many of which are political rivals. In 2011, the PMLN led similar rallies against the PPP, both of which are members of the Pakistan Democratic Movement, the PDM. Senior leaders from different parties have also targeted each other on the exact same political rhetoric of economic mismanagement or bad governance, but now share the same platform. We've already seen disagreements emerge between alliance partners over which political leaders to invite or exclude from the rallies. Now, add to this mix ideological differences. For instance, you have a party like the Pakistan People's Party that has consistently adopted a very strong stance against Pakistan's controversial blasphemy law. But you also have the religious conservative jamaat e Islam Fazil, the JUIF, which has supported the law. So beyond the broadest state of goal of ousting the government, these vested political objectives and deeply rooted ideological differences will dominate decision-making and are very likely to fracture the PDM in the coming months.
0: You mentioned that this alliance is coming at an opportune time, but is ultimately likely to be quite fragile. You know, we're also only in 2020 and the Khan government is scheduled to last until 2023. So... As this opposition alliance potentially fragments, is Imran Khan kind of looking at a comfortable re-election in 2023, or is he going to struggle to once again return to power?
1: Well, the Imran Khan government should definitely be concerned about what's happening. Whether or not the PDM maintains its cohesion, the PTI government is going to struggle. Graham, you know, rallies of this nature are not really an anomaly in Pakistan's political history. Yes, they don't manage to topple the government, but they do significantly weaken it. And this is going to be true for PTI as well. However, it has one very, very important thing going for it. For a party that's been labeled by the opposition as a selected government that is essentially handpicked by the military, the PTI has done very little to distance itself from that narrative. In fact, Imran Khan has welcomed and often relied on the military's support for his government. This is going to increase in the coming years as the rallies put additional pressure on the government to perform, to keep inflation under control, and also keep a fragile ruling coalition intact. So while I think it's too soon to predict who will win the next election, I think we can say with a high degree of confidence that although it will be difficult, the PTI is likely to complete its term in 2023.
0: You've brought up again there a point we alluded to in the opening of the podcast, which is the important role that the military plays in Pakistan. In the past, civil-military relations have often determined whether a government is able to remain in power or whether it is overthrown by either the military itself or an opposition during an election. How do you expect the relationship to change between the military and Imran Khan's government as a result of this pressure from the opposition?
1: Well, I think the military will continue to remain a very powerful and influential player in Pakistan's politics. Yes, like you mentioned in your question, you know, all mainstream parties have strived to maintain a civil, if not amicable, relationship with the military, violent power. Favorable civil-military relations continue to be a guarantor of political stability in Pakistan. And here too, here with the Imran Khan government, the civil-military relations will continue to be stable despite the military's occasional disagreements and frustrations with the government. I think the military is quite unlikely to overtly respond to the PDM's rallies, even though we've seen former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif blatantly criticize the military for political interference in the 2018 election that brought the PTI to power. However, senior leaders from other political parties, as well as the PMLN itself, have adopted a more tempered approach, choosing to target Imran Khan and the PTI instead. So, none of this is likely to really alter the current civil military balance. I don't think the PTI is going to clash with the Army on key policy areas, including foreign policy and economic management of key strategic investment projects. In turn, the military will support the PTI towards completing its term in 2023, even as opposition rallies continue.
0: Now, I'd like to return to a point that you raised in your initial remarks, which is the fact that the PTI came to power after making these significant pledges during the electoral campaign that it would seek to root out corruption. And indeed, as you mentioned, Imran Khan himself has this image as being anti-corruption as being relatively clean in comparison to other parts of the Pakistani political elite. But in actual fact, the PTI's anti-corruption drive has been mired in controversy as the opposition claims that it's largely politically motivated. Where does this anti-corruption drive that the PTI is leading stand today?
1: Graham, I think you've asked a question that is on every business person's mind today. Yes, absolutely. All eyes are on accountability in Pakistan right now. Look, ultimately, the PTI is not wrong. Corruption is prevalent in varying degrees across most sectors in Pakistan, from petty corruption in the form of bribery to senior executives taking kickbacks from major projects. Yes, the government certainly came in on a very strong anti-corruption agenda. But unfortunately, we haven't really seen any demonstration of a sincere intent to eradicate systemic corruption in Pakistan. This would essentially call for addressing institutional weaknesses, undertaking reforms. None of this has happened. What has happened instead is that the National Accountability Bureau, the NAG, has been highly empowered and has focused the bulk of its inquiries and investigations on senior opposition leaders, as well as businessmen associated with opposition parties. This doesn't paint a very good picture for the BTI, and has prompted the opposition to accuse the government of pursuing these politically motivated cases. What's likely to happen in the coming years is that NAP cases against senior political leaders will continue and may perhaps even escalate, both in terms of pace and frequency. The opposition will also increasingly call out the government for not looking inwards at corruption undertaken by its own ministers. It's going to get messy.
0: And in light of this increasingly contentious debate around corruption in Pakistan, we also see that the PTI is trying to market itself as being good for business, good for investors looking at the Pakistani market. But how should foreign businesses be thinking about entering Pakistan? given the ongoing shadow that these anti-corruption investigations are casting?
1: Right. So on the one hand, we have a political party like the PTI that's committed to a digital Pakistan agenda. The digital Pakistan agenda is a hallmark of this government. It's focusing on creating a favorable business environment for new and existing investors. We've seen the government try to address some concerns around cumbersome and tedious bureaucratic processes that have led to delays and creative frustration amongst many investors. What the government has done is it's tried to digitize some permit approvals that's made it easier for businesses to apply for land permits, make utility payments, and all of this has helped to create a somewhat favorable business environment at a time when Pakistan is urgently seeking greater foreign investment. But Graham, as you might already know, Pakistan has shown a marked improvement in its ease of doing business rankings in the World Bank's Doing Business 2020 report. Pakistan is also listed as one of the top 10 business climate improvers due to the regulatory reforms it has undertaken. Now, all of this sounds fairly good, right? But not so much. NAB investigations into businessmen linked to opposition parties And all these politically motivated cases that are ongoing is likely to create nervousness for investors. Businesses operating in or looking to enter the Pakistani market will now have to conduct enhanced due diligence into their local partners prior to making any corporate decisions. Foreign companies will also have to understand the government's disposition towards certain sectors of the economy and make sense of the impact of corruption cases, and political involvement in these sectors. This is going to get more difficult for the government as it tries to attract foreign investment, but also maintain and potentially increase the pressure on anti-corruption investigations.
0: Well, I think that's all the time we have today. I wanna thank you, Arsala, for sharing your insight and perspectives on what is sure to be a very interesting period in Pakistan going forward.
1: Thank you, Graham. Thank you for inviting me.
0: If you enjoyed what you heard on this episode of In Focus, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of the most pressing issues on global business. All of our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we are helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com.